thank you for coming back. I'm super excited about tonight, which feels sort of weird, but I really like talking about crisis things uh, um, and how we can just like cope better. Um, I think it's something that we never really talk about openly with other people, and I think that's why we get in crisis mode so often. So, um, and that reminds me, I wanted to talk about the song for a second that just played. Um, so I found this recently, but it's Brandon Lake, and he came out with an entire album this year, and the album is called Help. Um, and it, I listened to him on a podcast, and so he was talking about it, and the entire album is about his struggle with mental health, which is really cool. So this was about that. Yeah. Yeah, this song. Wait, did you say, can you know the name of the song? Uh, you could download it. <laughs> but this song was about, like, from God's perspective, like, talking to you. Like, when you feel like you're at the end of your rope or, like, you're hopeless, it's like, don't give up on me. But um, there's a lot of really good songs on the album, so you should check it out. Um, okay. So tonight we're going to talk about three different kinds of things that might cause you to feel like you're in a crisis. Um, so we're going to talk about panic first, and then we're going to talk about intrusive thoughts, and then we're going to switch to suicide. Um, so I'm going to try to keep an eye on the time so we don't go too long. Um, so let's move forward to the next slide. So we're going to talk about panic attacks. And this is all really relevant to what I talked about last time. So we're going to describe, like, what is a panic attack? What do you do when you have one? How do you keep them, like, at bay moving forward? Um, so you can go ahead and move on to the next slide. So at its core, a panic attack is just like this feeling of intense fear that might come over you really suddenly, usually like at a time when you're not in any actual danger, but you just feel like you are. And they can look really different depending on just you as a person. Um, so some of the potential things that you might feel, um, a fast like pounding heart um, that just like feels really tight, um, or that maybe like actually hurts. Um, you might get really cold or you might get really hot and start sweating. Um, people will feel like lightheaded or like they're gonna pass out sometimes. Um, you might get really nauseous. I feel like occasionally people have told me that they've puked. I don't think it's a very common thing, but like you feel really bad. Um, you might get a headache all of a sudden. Um, numbness or tingling like anywhere all over your body could be coming up. Um, and, and then like some of the like thinking symptoms or like you might start feeling like the things around you aren't real or like you're not really in this place um, or just have this like sense of like something is really wrong, um, just like this doom sort of feeling that you couldn't describe very well. Um, or you might start thinking like I'm going crazy or I'm dying right now. Um, and so any kind of combination of these things might happen and if you felt that before, that was probably a panic attack. Um, so they can come on like when you're really upset about something uh, or like really stressed. Um, and if you experience them recurrently, then they might just be happening like randomly. Um, so like whenever I had mine and I didn't know what it was, even though this is my degree, I had like, the first time I had like pain in my chest, but then otherwise it was just like tight and I would feel this like cold, like, I don't know, it reminded me of like a Dementor on Harry Potter where like the stuff like sucks out of you, but it was like, it was this intense cold. They would like spread from my chest out. And at the beginning, I would have like 
my, my feet like up through my legs would go numb and so would both of my hands and like kind of tingly too, but really more numb than anything. Um, and then I would just feel like doom, like something, something is very wrong and I don't know what it is. Um, and that feeling makes it worse and then you keep panicking. Um, but so like I, when I had those things, like I just didn't think of that as being panic, but that's what it was. So it started the first time when I was really stressed thinking I had a heart problem anyway, but it was a pinched nerve. But then like as they started becoming recurrent, like they would be totally random. Like where I, I was not upset about anything, like I might be um, at home. Uh, it happened when I was like at the coffee shop or when I was at Target, which is my favorite place to be. Um, and, and I would wake up in the middle of the night. So like the, usually the worst time was like, I would just wake up randomly and I would like really be feeling it a lot. Like my body was just already in like complete panic, like at all of the numbness and I was really cold and just feeling like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, but I, like I wasn't having a bad dream. I had no reason to think that that would be happening. Um, but that happened all the time. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it, but sometimes it's a thing that causes them, like some specific trigger. And sometimes it's just like you're really stressed and your body is just like uh, trying to get you to notice, like we talked about last time. So, okay, so let's talk about like what you can do if you have a panic attack. So we're going to talk like in the moment things and then like planning for the future. Um, so in the moment, the, for me, the most helpful thing I can do is remind myself that this is a panic attack. Like, I am not in any danger. Like, I know what this is. Um, because at first, like, I thought I was having a heart attack. So, like, if you can just, like, remind yourself, like, you know what this is. Like, you're not in danger. This is just panic. Um, that just helped me, like, have a better perspective. And I could be calmer trying to get rid of it. Um, then what you want to do is focus on like being here in the moment. So usually if you're panicking or just like really stressed or anxious about something, like your mind starts like spiraling in every sort of direction about maybe like, um, probably for panic, like usually like what's going to happen um, in the future and like what could be wrong with me. So you want to try to like stop the spiraling and the best way to do that is like ground yourself in the moment. So we, we use the word grounding a lot in psychology, and I don't know if it's a normal word, but it just means that like we're just trying to be like here and and not think about all the things. So my favorite thing to do is like to run through my five senses and just be like naming the things that are around me. So like I would go through sign, like what do I see around me right now? And I'd be like, I see these chairs and I see the carpet and there's, there's this chair right here in my table. Um, and then I would go through like all the things that I can hear and can I smell anything right now and like feel was really helpful for me, especially like if I was, if I was not sitting down, then I would sit down if I could. Um, but then like feeling the chair beneath you that is like literally like grounding you to the floor. Like I think that feels safer somehow or like calming. Um, so like if you can feel something beneath you that is literally supporting you, that would be good. Um, but just anything. So like go through your five senses and just try to notice those. And if you're taking up your thoughts with the things around you, then they can't be somewhere else. So sometimes it takes practice like to get very good at it. Um, but really like overall it works very well to just like focus on the things that you are seeing right now. Um, other people um, like to do like more sensory stuff to bring them back to the moment. So like splashing yourself with water could like bring you back. Um, and it's not as fun, but you could do it and it might work. Um, and 
see what else, or like touching the things around you. If you're at your house and you have something that is like soothing for you or that you just like to fidget with, um, that could be really helpful just to like touch it and notice like how it feels and maybe you smell it and you just look at it and you're just trying to be here. So ultimately like that's, that's what we can do when we're panicking and just know that like this cannot last forever, it will not. Um, so you're just trying to like remind yourself that this is not dangerous while you just come back to the moment. Um, it's also really good to be able to breathe steadily. Um, so it can make you want to breathe very fast and very shallow, and then that's gonna make you like hyperventilate and pass out. So don't, try not to do that. <laughs> try to just like breathe steady. And maybe you can't do really deep, slow breaths, but if you're steady in and out, like not just like really shallow in with deeper out, we just want it to be about the same in and out. Um, you can also, uh, so I've had some clients who have like used apps on their phone um, and they would like have pictures of things that they liked. So it might just be like cute dog pictures or they would have like a beach or they would have pictures of their family and they would have that app out and they would just like get it out uh, whenever they were panicking somewhere. So you can use technology to help you too. So in terms of like planning for the future with panic attacks and like not getting them out of hand, like it's very easy to have one panic attack and then to have lots more panic attacks. So what we wanna remember ultimately is that like the, the natural response of every human being is to get nervous about something and to avoid that thing or like escape from that situation because it makes you feel safer in the moment and then the problem is that you like leave that situation and then you say, oh my gosh, it was, it was good that I got out of there because I could not handle that. And then the next time that something comes up that seems like sort of similar to that situation, then you say, I probably shouldn't go there because the last time I was there, I had a panic attack. And like, oh, and this other thing that kind of looks like that, like I probably shouldn't go there either. And it just starts like spreading and pretty soon you're anxious about like more and more things and you're avoiding more and more and then you're like stuck in your house and you can't go anywhere without like intense panic and the good news is that we can reverse all of that like if you're there then good job for being here tonight but but we can get rid of that um, but what we really want to do is avoid that happening to you to begin with um, so if you are like at a coffee shop or you're at target or like wherever and you're having a panic attack try your very hardest to not leave right there like just like stay, see if you can find like a quieter spot so that like you can calm a little bit, but just try to stay there while you calm down because then that teaches your brain like I, I came through it, like I, I went through the whole cycle, I'm okay, and then you can leave, um, but you're going to like have a much better result if you didn't just like get out right away. Uh, if you have somebody with you, like that can be really helpful too and you can tell them what's going on and they can like talk you through and like help you breathe, um, but some, sometimes too, if like if you're helping a loved one, especially if it's like a, a friend or like a child that you have, like you want to get them out and please don't do that. <laughs> like that makes it much worse. Just like encourage them to stay. Like you've got this, you're safe, we're okay. Um, so I even, I even felt this for myself when I started having more panic attacks. And this was where my training did kick in right away and I could help myself. But I would notice like when I was trying to go get treatment for my pinched nerve, I would like get in the car and just have this like sense of doom of like, you shouldn't go. What if you have a panic attack while you're driving? And what if you drive to Seymour and then you can't get back because you're by yourself? And then I had to say like, you're going, like you have to go, like this is how you get better um, and you're gonna be fine. And so like 
there's this element of like tough love that you have to give yourself to of like you're going to do it and you're going to get better and then it does get better. Um, but it is not fun at the beginning. But every single time that you push yourself, it gets that much easier. So that's the plan for what you want to do. Um, just make sure, yeah, make sure you don't escape. Just stay. Um, if you feel like you are having recurrent panic attacks, as like I'm reading those symptoms and you're like, I think maybe that's it. But like maybe you didn't even identify it as panic before now. Um, I would say, please get a therapist if you don't have one and tell them, like, I think I'm having a panic attack. Like, is this panic? And why is this coming up for me? So what, what I had to do is figure out, like, why am I all of a sudden having multiple panic attacks when I've never had one in my entire life? And there's something there. Like, there's a reason why you are. And in the immediate moment for me, it was like worrying about my health. But then overall, it was just, you've been pushing everything down for a really long time. And so now it's seeping out. You're panicking at like random times when there's actually like nothing going on. Um, so if you are having them like over and over again, like there's something, there's a reason why you're having them. And a therapist could help you like talk through what might be going on that's making you get to that point. Um, so I would just highly encourage that. Um, and then also, if, if you are having them over and over again, medication can be super helpful, at least in the short term. So like using medication is what got me to go back to work um, because otherwise like it just takes a long time <laughs> to like really work through all the psychological reasons why I was having those. So I used medication to like help me be stable enough to do my job. And then I did therapy at the same time and my own research at the same time and then it got a lot better gradually. Um, but if you want to use medication for them, SSRIs are usually the ones that your doctor will give you. Those are antidepressants. Uh, the antidepressants treat both depression and anxiety um, and OCD and a lot of things. So um, that's probably what you would use. Um, so you could talk to your primary care doctor and the vast majority of them seem comfortable with giving you that. So. And, and it doesn't have to be forever, but it's super helpful in the moment. Okay, we're gonna switch gears. I'm gonna go through these things like kind of quickly for the sake of time. Um, and we'll talk about intrusive thoughts. So I don't know if all of you are familiar with what an intrusive thought is. Um, if you've had very many of them, you probably are. Uh, so an intrusive thought is basically any kind of thought that you have that is unwanted. Um, it feels like something that is like the opposite of what you would actually think but for some reason it's just in your head and you can't stop thinking it. Um, so everybody has these sometimes. Um, and most of the time we just like laugh them off as like, well, that was really weird. I don't know why I had that thought. Uh, but some people, we call them like that they have a brain that's sort of sticky and they just like get stuck more. And we can tell that those are usually people who are really conscientious and really careful about like the things that they have in their life. Um, or like I would say people of faith, I think are more prone to this because they try to control their brains a lot. Um, but if they get stuck, they can become maddening. Um, so like some of the, the really minor ones that we have, I always use the example of like when you're driving down the road, you know how like every once in a while you're like, you see a pedestrian and you're like, what if I just like hit them? Like while I was driving and they're like, oh my gosh, like, but you don't and you just like keep going and you're like kind of laugh like that was weird. But, um, but everybody's had that thought. Yeah, yeah, real common. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
happens all the time. Or, or like you just like have, I don't know, like weird, uncomfortable thoughts about like people that you know or like stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense or like, you know, like dreams that feel really weird. And then most of the time we just say like, oh gosh, and like we just keep going. Um, but if you have a lot of these, then you can't. And then it gets like stuck and that's all you can think about. And then you start feeling like, oh my gosh, like there's something wrong with me. Like I, I am bad or evil or I'm a dangerous person. Like some, like there's just something wrong here. Like I can't stop thinking about that. Um, so if you have that, like if you have lots of thoughts like that, they like keep getting stuck and they just feel like awful, like uh, really d disturbing thoughts, then you have OCD and you should know that and you should get a therapist. Um, and especially one that knows about OCD and how to treat it well. There are a lot of therapists who don't have good training, but OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. So that's another side note that I won't go into too much. People get really confused about OCD. Um, they think that it's like, I like things to be really clean. Um, and that's not what it is. Some so if you have like some of the clean things with OCD, it's like it is extremely upsetting and things are like very specific and if they are not that way, you feel like doom, like panic gives you. Um, and you have to do things like repetitively or you spend hours in your day like making sure that they're right. Um, but really the most common thing that I see with OCD is intrusive thoughts. Um, so nobody likes to talk about those and so nobody tells you that they're having them. Uh, but a lot of people have them. And I bring it up in particular because the most common themes for intrusive thoughts are religious and violent and sexual thoughts. And those feel the most upsetting and that's why they're stuck because the, the trick with intrusive thoughts is that like if you try to push away a thought and like tell yourself like you can't think that, then it just like gets stuck in your head. So it will attach to all the things that, it, that feel like the most anti-you. So if you are a person of faith, then you're gonna have thoughts about like, what if I just like curse God? Like what if I like totally walked away? What if I like did this thing that is like totally anti everything that I believe? And you can't stop thinking about it. Um, and what we, what we need to know is that like, you're not actually going to do any of those things this is a thought problem. It's a problem with over control and not under control. So these are you're not impulses of like stuff that you're going to do. Um, they're just like you're trying too hard to control your mind. Um, so the religious ones come up all the time. Um, I have I have a client right now who worries a lot about like um, she's Catholic, but she worries a lot about like confessing the right way and like praying enough, and that happens all the time. If you're worried that like I have to pray it just this way or have to pray it again because that wasn't right, um, or like God didn't hear that, um, that's not, well, talk to Pastor Tracy, but that's not how God works, is how we talk to people. Um, so like consult with a pastor that you trust, and also like find the therapist that you're like, that sounds like OCD. Um, also people have violent thoughts a lot uh, about like killing people or like really like morbid things. Sometimes it's like an image in your head that you can't get out or they will be like really graphic sexual things. Sometimes it's stuff related to children and it feels terrible and you can't stop thinking about it. Um, there will also be like contamination and germ thoughts. Um, people get a lot of thoughts about like doing things just so or just right um, or like having to be perfect with it and it feels really upsetting if it's not perfect and you feel like you have to keep going. Um, so again, like pay attention if you have those thoughts, like you're not dangerous and you're not crazy, you have OCD and you can get help with that. 
So let's move on yeah, to that slide. So we're going to do an exercise um, to teach a little bit about intrusive thoughts. Um, so what we're gonna do, um, so for like a minute, I want you to just like let your mind wander on whatever it wants to, except don't think about carrots. So you shouldn't, don't think about them at all. Don't think about the food or like an image of them or like Bugs Bunny is probably too close. So like keep everything away from it. I'm gonna watch the clock. Think about whatever you want. Okay, it's been 30 seconds. Anybody think about carrots? Yeah, right, like everybody, everybody thought about them. And what we'll do in therapy, which is really mean but really fun, is that like I'll say like, okay, now I'm gonna start the clock over every time you think about it and like, and we've gotta get to five minutes. And then like, like, oh my gosh, like, and you can't do it. And it's so anxiety provoking that then it's like every five seconds you keep thinking about them. You're like, I don't know why I can't stop thinking about carrots. And it, like carrots don't matter <laughs> at all. And like. You would not have thought about them if I wouldn't have told you not to. And it, it's not upsetting to think about carrots until you tell yourself that you can't. And so like, it is exactly the same thing with an intrusive thought, but they feel so upsetting that we do tell ourselves, stop thinking about it. Like you can't think about that, that's bad. And then it's like, oh, but now that's all I can think about. Um, so like, that's what you're doing to yourself if you have them, and that's the problem. <laughs> so. What we need to do is stop trying to control everything that comes into your brain. Like, it is impossible to control every thought that we have. So we need to just stop expecting ourselves to. Like, you're gonna have weird thoughts, you're gonna have things that are like really awkward or, or like bad, and they'll go away. Like, this is just part of being a human. So we just need to stop, stop trying to force them away. Um, so let's move on to the next one. I'll give you some more suggestions for if you have them. So most of the time, if you have an intrusive thought, it comes up in question form. Like it's usually like, what if you do this? Like what if you thought this about this person? What if like you didn't pray this the right way and like all the things. So the, the thing that we have to do is not engage with those thoughts. So Intrusive thoughts demand like 100% certainty that they are not right. So like if you're thinking like, what if I did this thing? What if I thought this like immoral thought and now I'm going to hell? Like that would be a really common one to have. So like if you are just like 95% sure that you're not going to hell, like that doesn't feel good enough. Like you feel like you need to know. And OCD or intrusive thoughts will never be satisfied with like, I'm pretty sure that that's not true. Um, so trying to like tell yourself like, that's not true. I don't, I don't think that would be right. I think that God really likes me and I think I'm good most of the time. Like it's, it just doesn't work and it's not biblical either, but, but that's, it's just going to make the thought worse. So we tell people like, do not answer the question. Like we're not gonna play this game where we're engaging with your thoughts that are just lying to you to begin with. So like, if you feel like you need to answer it and tell yourself that that's not true, then you're, you're doing too much with it. So we just remind ourselves like, this is an intrusive thought. 
I'm not going to listen to this and do not answer at all. Um, then you want to just like keep going with your day. Um, sometimes you need to do like the five senses thing where we're like grounding back in the moment if they feel like too upsetting. Um, but then you just want to like keep moving. So whatever you are doing, keep doing that thing. Um, and we'll talk to people about like mentally switching tabs like on the computer, like you can have multiple tabs open on your screen, just like switch it. You don't have to demand that the thought go away, like it will go away on its own. But you just want to like switch over here and that can be in the background and you can tolerate it and we keep going. So once you realize that you can tolerate any thought that comes into your mind, like it's not going to hurt you, it's not gonna do anything to you um, and it will go away, then they do go away. It's like the irony and the cruelty of intrusive thoughts is like as soon as you don't care about them, then they're not there anymore. Um, so that's what we're shooting for, is just like teaching yourself that this does not matter. Um, so we'll, we'll have people practice intentionally thinking some of these thoughts too, to prove to yourself that like this is nothing. Um, so sometimes we'll set up a hierarchy of like thoughts that make you nervous and we'll practice like saying them out loud or like putting them in a song and singing them or like writing them down um, just to tolerate them. Or you can tell yourself things like I can tolerate any thought, like I can tolerate that one. Um, or asking yourself, like, is this what I'm here to do right now? Like, if you're stuck on something that feels upsetting, like, what am I here to do? Like, I'm going to do that. And that thought can just be in the background. Okay, we're going to switch gears again. Um, so we're going to talk about suicidal thoughts. Uh, and this is obviously a very sensitive and very serious topic. And if, if you feel like this is too sensitive for you, then you have permission to leave and there's no judgment for any of that. Um, but also like I'm not gonna be sharing any like scary statistics with you. Um, we're just talking like really practically about how to help when you get to this point or when somebody else does. Okay, can you go ahead? So when I was in school, um, we were trained that the vast majority of people will have at least some sort of fleeting thought of suicide in their life. Um, and a lot of people have more serious thoughts of them, um, but we never seem to talk about them. Um, as a society, we try to pretend that they're not there and sort of think that like, if we don't talk about them, then maybe they'll go away. And it's really the opposite. Um, can you move to the next slide, please? Thank you. So, what, I think what we really want to do is like take some of the fear of talking about it away um, so that it feels less like cryptic and scary because really like we know a lot about this um, and we don't have every answer, but we do have a lot of answers that can help a lot of people. Um, the, the biggest problem is that you just feel totally alone. And so if we can just communicate like you are not alone in this, I think that is the, the most important thing that we could do. Um, we know that suicidal thoughts usually come up when you feel hopeless. They're also like usually really closely connected to depression, and that's something that so many of us experience at various points in our life. Um, but it's the hopelessness that causes suicidal thoughts. But the problem is that when we are in any kind of crisis in our life and we get depressed, depression changes our thoughts, and we can't think clearly. Like we're just sort of stuck in a fog. And I think I mentioned this last time, but like, it changes your thoughts to be like more global and stable and negative. Um, so like I think I said last time, it's not just that you're having a bad day, it's that your entire life is just bad. And it's, it's always been bad and it's always gonna be bad. 
you can't see a way out of it. And so this is where like our help comes in that like we know, like I know that you can't see that, but I can see that and I can share that with you and we can help you through. Um, but it's just, it's hard in the moment when you're by yourself. Uh, we also know that suicidal actions like usually come in really strong urges um, that, that feel really hard to resist in the moment. Um, and they're usually like very fast actions that like you might get the thought and you might feel like you need to act immediately and people usually do act within about half an hour. Um, and if we know that, and if you know that if you're experiencing it and you can get somewhere safe, then people are usually glad they didn't do it afterwards. But it's just like getting through the urge that is like the hardest thing to do. But, but again, like if we know that this is gonna happen that way, that like you're gonna have something that feels really strong and you need to be with me and then we're gonna like pass through, like that's, that's what we're looking for. Um, but that's usually how it happens. So let's see, the, the main things that we want to do, like in the moment, if you're feeling suicidal, you want to make suicide really hard um, for you or, or for the, your loved one. So we are, we're talking about things like being sober. So we know that it's a lot more likely that you're gonna make a rash decision if you're under the influence of any kind of substance or of alcohol. So if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, like do not have anything to do with that. Um, it would just be so much safer if you have nothing. Um, we're also going to try to remove any kind of means of hurting yourself that you think about very often or, or that your loved one thinks about. So if you have guns in your home, you should absolutely get them out. Um, you could have a family member have them for a while. Um, I've also read that sometimes the police department will hold them for you. If you tell them that like there's a crisis and we just need this out, then they'll just have them for you and you can get them back when you want them. Um, yes, you're that's right. Yeah, Chris says that's right. Wonderful. I'm glad that you that makes sense that you would know that. <laughs> um, so let's see. Also, like while you're having the urge to commit suicide, you want to do something. So like I was saying, like you should be with a person. That is like absolutely the best thing that you could do. Um, so find someone or call someone if you're alone and just like keep yourself busy for a little bit. So ideally something that like takes a lot of like mental energy from you. So like if you're just like watching a show that's like really engrossing, like that would be really good to do. Um, maybe like, I'm just making this up, but like you could watch a horror movie and that would like really like bring you in. Um, just like something that, that would take your thoughts away um, from what you're going through. Um, or just like chatting with your friend about like something random. Or like I've had um, clients tell me that like they were having the urge and the thing that kept them safe was they just like pulled up YouTube and watched funny videos until the urge passed. Um, so that's legit and you should do those things, but please get a person with you. Um, okay, I already said reach out. So if you feel like you get to that point that you're like actually contemplating hurting yourself, then you should get help for that. So we have lots of therapists who are well-trained and we know what to expect and we know how to like teach you about like, this is how suicidal thoughts will come up. This is what you can do. Um, so please reach out to somebody else if you have that happen. Let's move on to the next one. Um, there are also several crisis lines that you can call. Um, 988 is what they changed the nationwide number to. It used to be a lot longer and this is just in, intended to be like short and easier to remember. So if you call 988, 
you can call that number when you are in a crisis or if like somebody that you love is in a crisis, you can be totally anonymous and they will probably ask you your name for the sake of conversation and you can say, I don't wanna give my name and that's fine and that's allowed. Um, what they're gonna do is just like, probably ask you questions first to say like, where are you? Like, are you safe right now? Are you driving? Because like the risk is so much higher if you're driving. Um, they're just gonna try to see like, what is going on in the moment? And then ask you like, what's going on? Like, ask you why you're so upset um, and just try to like chat with you and try to understand and then they'll connect you with resources. So that can be a great thing to do for yourself or for somebody else if you're in crisis. So this is very small writing, I apologize. Um, we know that there are a lot of signs that somebody might be contemplating suicide. Um, and I guess let me pause right here actually, because so we can, we can read this and we can talk about it. And this is very helpful information. And also if you know somebody um, who has made an attempt or who has committed suicide, and now you read this and you see that, uh, that I understand that like that feels very upsetting and I just want to reiterate that like we cannot force another person to live and we can't know everything that they're going through or that they're thinking especially if they don't tell us and we we do the best that we can with the information that we have and I hope that the stuff that I'm getting ready to share will help us do better um, so that we can be watching more with the people around us um, but but we can't be solely responsible for another person's life. So please give yourself grace as we read about it. Um, so sometimes people will make direct statements um, that, that they're suicidal, and that is obviously like the easiest thing for us to pick up on. But sometimes people will say like, I wish I was dead, or if this happens, I'm gonna kill myself. Pay attention to that, always take it seriously. Um, and you can call the crisis line, um, if you feel like you're in the moment and somebody is going to hurt themselves, you should take them to the ER. Um, or we can get therapists if we feel like they're talking about something that's in the future. Um, we, we just wanna get help, so always take it seriously. Um, sometimes they'll make more indirect statements. Um, people will talk a lot about feeling like they're a burden um, or like maybe my family would be better off without me. Um, but that's also like an indirect suicidal comment that we should be paying a lot of attention to. Um, or just talking about like, life is too hard, I can't go on anymore, I can't do this anymore. Um, pay attention to those. Uh, there's also behavior clues that we can look at or like situational ones. So behaviorally, if somebody has attempted before, then we should be extra careful, um, take it extra seriously. Uh, if they are in a depressed episode right now, we need to pay close attention. Um, if somebody is stockpiling weapons or medication, uh, that's very concerning. Um, I think we don't always take medication as seriously as we should. Medication is very dangerous. Um, so anytime that I have a client who is having very many suicidal thoughts at all, we like take them all away. <laughs> so um, lock them up somewhere or like get them out of your house. And if you get a cold, then you can go buy something later and then get rid of it when you're done with it. Um, but we wanna be really careful. We have a lot of stuff in our houses. Like if you really think about it, like when we're trying to keep somebody safe, it is, it is impossible to keep somebody entirely safe 24 seven in our homes because there are just so many things you could hurt yourself with. Um, and that's what hospitals are for. Like if you, if you get to the point um, that you are actively suicidal and you don't think you can be safe in your home, 
or like you're watching like a friend or a child and you're and you're to the point that you're thinking like I have to watch them like 24/7 because if I leave the room I don't know what they're going to do then that means they should not be in your house that that's when you go to a hospital um, and usually if you go to some place like that you would stay for an average of like 5 days and the purpose of going somewhere is to just like keep you safe in the moment when you're in that phase so like they take away everything from you that they think you could hurt yourself with and like you wear essentially like scrubs um, and they take away like drawstrings and everything. Um, but they're just trying to monitor you 24 seven until you feel better and they're trying to give you medication. Um, so they'll try to get like some kind of med, maybe combination um, that will just help you feel calm. And then they send you home with your therapist appointment um, and then you follow up. Um, so also, if people start like putting affairs in order or they're like talking, like if you know that they're depressed and they're like, oh, I should do my will or like I should change this thing, like that feels concerning to me. Um, or if they start giving things away to you or like talking about like ways for you to remember them, um, you should pay attention to that. Um, let's see. Or if, if they're a religious person and they suddenly stop having any interest in God or in going to church, that's concerning, or really vice versa. Even though like it can feel very exciting for somebody to suddenly want to come to church with you, if they're like really depressed and talking about like, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be here, and they start wanting to come to church with you, fantastic, and bring them, and also we need to talk to them um, because something might be really wrong with that. Um, if they start abusing drugs or alcohol or they relapse when they've been doing really well, um, those could be signs that something could be wrong too. Um, in terms of situations, like if, if it's a child and they've been like expelled from school or like suspended or something that feels really upsetting to them, that can be a trigger. If you've been fired from your job or you had to move really suddenly, um, if somebody died that you loved, especially if they died by suicide, it's a huge risk factor for everybody around them. Um, if you get diagnosed with a serious illness, or you feel like you're like losing your money or you're going to be like arrested, like things like that are what trigger people. So if you can think of the people that you know, like pay attention to, to those kinds of things. Okay, so we're gonna shift and talk about like what to do if you know somebody that you're concerned is suicidal. Um, let me take a drink real quick. I think the most important thing that you could know is that it is only helpful to ask about it and to talk about it. We have a lot of fears, I think, as a society, that like if I bring up suicide to you and you weren't thinking about it, then maybe you'll start thinking about it. And it's really the opposite. Um, in psychology, we have lots of research about this because we ask people about it all the time. And if it made you suicidal, we would never want to ask you about it. And it is definitely the opposite. So the problem is that you feel really alone and really hopeless, and if somebody asks you about it, it just helps clear the air. You can talk honestly and then we can get you safe. If you weren't thinking about it to begin with, you're not gonna be thinking about it now. Um, they'll just say no. I've never had somebody um, be like really upset with me for asking about it. Um, if they were upset at all, it's because they're suicidal and we're trying to talk about it. Um, so I, I did this training like as a lay person and I've included the link in the back. So there's a specific, <laughs> specific training called QPR training, and it stands for question, persuade, refer. And this is what we wanna do if somebody is suicidal. 
Um, and so I'm gonna go through these steps with you, but you can take the QPR training online and it's like $30 and it takes an hour and it's just really good information to have. Um, so the first phase is to ask them about it. Um, again, like you don't have to be eloquent or like know all the right things to say or like have really good advice to give them. You just have to show them that you care, that you want them to be alive um, and that you're just like gonna be brave enough to be honest with them. So in general, like I would say like ask open-ended questions about like how are you doing? Or like if you see some of these warning signs, you could say like, I know like you've been going through a really hard time, like this person passed away or you lost your job or like you've been saying some stuff about how hard life is. And then just like directly say, does that make you wanna kill yourself? Or like, are you thinking about suicide? Like I'm, I'm worried about you. Um, and like we have this fear of that word that like you can feel in your chest and you have to just like push through and ask it anyway. Um, you could start, I guess, with an easier question, but like really, like you just, you just need to say the word because if we are afraid to say that word, then they are not gonna say that word to us. So like if I can show you that like I can ask you about suicide and I can handle it if you tell me yes, then they'll tell, they'll tell me the truth. Um, so just come right out and say like, have you been thinking about suicide? Are you, are you thinking about hurting yourself? Um, you know, sometimes when people are going through this much stuff, they start getting those kinds of thoughts. Um, and th then just listen. Uh, you don't have to have all the right things, just listen to them. Uh, it's really important to, that when you ask the question, the one thing that we don't want to do is ask it in a way that communicates like, it's not okay to tell you yes. So you don't wanna say like, you're not thinking about hurting your, yourself, are you? Or like, you're not gonna do anything stupid, are you? Because then they're like, okay, like you're not a safe person to tell this to. And then you'll be like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. Um, and that's not true and it doesn't help anybody. It just makes us feel more comfortable in the moment because we don't wanna hear yes. And if that's how you feel, like you're not the person to talk to them, um, but man, you should really work on that. <laughs> uh, we need to get better. So after we've just like asked them the direct question, we, we wanna first just like listen to them. Just say like, what's going on? Like, how are you feeling? Um, what's happening in your life? Just listen to them. Um, don't judge them for being suicidal or for any of the stuff that they're going through. Don't pretend like it has a really easy answer that we know and we've just like solved your problem for you. Uh, just be there. Uh, they don't need our advice. I'm sure that they have thought of all the things that we have thought about. Um, and it's just, they're just overwhelmed and they just need you to listen. So. Um, just, just listen. Um, I would say like we can communicate like, instead of a specific answer to the problem, just like, I really care about you, I love you, like I want you to be here. Um, like just things like that, like that feel really simple, like they're the most profound things that we could ever say to somebody. Um, so I would, I would just say that, like I really love you, I, I wanna help you, um, and there we go. And one of the things that I say to clients a lot is like, I know that you don't feel like this could ever get any better, but one day you will. And like, I'll walk you through, but like, I, I know you can't see it, but it's there, is like what I try to communicate to. That might be different as a therapist than what you would say to them. Um, so usually if somebody is really depressed or they're suicidal, they may not have the energy or the willpower to get help on their own. So what I would always say is like, can I help you? Um, can I call this crisis number for you? Can I call this therapist that I know of? Um, will you go with me if I take you? The, the best thing we could do is go with somebody somewhere else. Um, but if not, like we make the call, we follow up with them. Like, did you go? How was your appointment? 
um, and we take the steps to help them because they just can't uh, when they're really hopeless. Um, so then after we have persuaded them to get help, we call the place with them um, and just try to walk them through um, and just communicate, like, I'm on your side. I, I want you to live. I want you to, to get help. Um, and like I said earlier, if, if somebody is actively attempting something, then, like, you don't try any of these things, and you just say, we're going to the emergency room, and you're going to get in the car, and you just, like, bring them with you. And if they won't come, and you're, like, they're actually attempting something, then you call the police, and they come and get them. And we hope that we don't have to get to that point. Um, but if you are there, like, we don't care if they're mad. <laughs> like, you just, you just call. Um, if you get a text from somebody, I feel like this happens a little bit more now. Like, if somebody, like, maybe especially with teenagers, if, if your friend texts you and is like, this is, like, my life is over, like, my parents are never going to let me do this or whatever, and they're like, I'm just going to end it. Like, so get an adult um, to try to help. But I think the first thing that I do is try to figure out, like, where are you? Um, are you safe? Are you hurting yourself right now? And if we can figure out, like, their location, then we can get somebody else to help. Um, it is not your job to keep somebody from committing suicide. But, like, if you love them, just try to, like, talk, like, listen and be like, okay, like, I'll, I'll get you help or, like, we're going to help you. Um, like, that's, that's the vibe that we're going for. Okay, last slide is just... Um, Resources, some of these are repeats of the stuff that we talked about last time, like the therapy locations, um, but the National Crisis Line is 988 uh, for anybody who needs it. There's also a Be Well Indiana line that you can call if you're in a crisis, but you can also call for like financial resources and different things, which I guess that's a crisis sometimes too, uh, 211. And the QPR training is at the qprinstitute.com. Uh, so I know it's a lot of information. Um, and it's pretty heavy. Um, but if, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. And I guess I would give the caveat tonight of, like, this is probably not a good time to share a really personal story about somebody who committed suicide um, or, like, lots of intimate details of a person that you know right now. Uh, and if you need to talk with me about that afterwards, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, but if you have, like, general questions that might benefit the group, then that would be good to share now. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, like, how do you know, like, do you take absolutely everything seriously in a text, um, or how do you know maybe if you shouldn't? I would say I am always, like, better safe than sorry. Um, most people who express something like that, like, have enough of a serious nature behind it that it's concerning to me and that we should talk about it. And there are, there are a few, like, diagnoses that people might have where they tend to be like attention seeking with it. Um, and that's really problematic. Um, and that is a reason to say like, then you need a therapist. Like if that's a joke, you need a therapist uh, and we will work through. Um, because the vast majority of people like wouldn't, wouldn't do that usually. Um, you wouldn't usually joke about committing suicide with people. So I would, I would ask them the serious question as if they're serious. And if they've joked about that before, then I would make sure they're, they're in therapy um, and then ask the therapist what we're supposed to do with it. But if those people are in therapy, then usually we almost, like, try to, like, punish that kind of behavior. Like, if they say that they're going to commit suicide and it's just because they're mad at me, um, then we'll, um, we will still make them go through, like, every step of, like, you walk me through how you were going to do it and what, and, 
And if they're not serious about it, they kind of stop doing it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah. I, I think if you have some sense of authority in somebody's life, I would try to, like, pressure them a little bit to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would really try to push them uh, to go if I could. That, like, even if they're not suicidal or not admitting to be suicidal, I think, like, I would probably say something like, I know you've been depressed for a while. Like, you've been going through a lot of hard things. And if you talk to somebody, I think you could get past this. And I, I know that you don't think so, but I would really appreciate it if you'd give it a try. I'll do the call. Like, I'll, I'll set it up for you. Would you go? I'll take you. Like, something like that. And then at the end of the day, if they refuse, then we can't, like, we can't force them to get help. But I would try to, like, make it hard for them to say no if I could and see what I could do to get them there. I think that it's possible, and it's not a real common thing to happen. Like, they would usually come, like, in some sort of an episode. Um, but, like, like I experienced, like, totally random things that, like, seemed to have no trigger. And I think that it's possible that if it was going on for long enough and we weren't addressing it, that you'd just start to have residual, like, physical symptoms of, like, anxiety and stress. And so I, I do think it's possible, but not the most common way for it to show up. It might be more of like you might specialize like in anxiety more than panic, but yeah. 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 So I, I think if you're having panic attacks or like anxiety or depression in general, everybody should be pretty well trained in how to do that. And they shouldn't be like really confused about what you're saying. If you have OCD, then like I would not go to any random person um, because sometimes people don't have the training. And if you go in and say, like, I'm having thoughts about killing my neighbor, um, but I don't want to, and then they're like, well, that's a problem. And, like, they're, like, really scared. And then you get more scared, and then, like, you're way worse. Um, so somebody who knows something about OCD would be able to tell you, like, I know what that is. Uh, and then they can work on it better. Yeah, yeah. That would be a problem. <laughs> I guess at this yeah. point where it's more than just OCD. Yeah. So there, yes, we are trained, I think, in the difference. Um, so, like, I, I do a lot of OCD work, and it just feels totally different. Um, I think, like, if you know about OCD, then you can tell. Like, if you have OCD and you're having, like, intrusive thoughts that are, like, violent, sexual, religious, um, then it's, like, you're seriously disturbed by them, and you're like really upset that they're there, and you can't figure out why. You can't stop thinking about it, and it's it's a question of like, what if I did that? And it's very scary. And if you like really want to like kill your neighbor, then you're like, I'm so mad, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna off them one day, and that like feels really creepy, and it feels different. Yeah. I've seen them both, but. Yeah, move away. Yeah, yeah. But it, OCD would not turn into that either. I think that's okay. important to know. You wouldn't get there. There's different things. Yeah. 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 You will never get to the point of doing it. Um, so the therapy for OCD is really fun and fascinating because, like, I had a professor once who, like, she had a client who would, he worried that he was going to kill his family, which was awful. Um, and so they would, like, they worked their way up a hierarchy of, like, talking about those thoughts and, like, practicing things related to them and like 
they went to a hardware store and she like had him hold up an axe to her head and just like, you're gonna do it? And like, and no, you're not gonna do it. Um, but like, we like believe that strongly that you're not gonna do it. <laughs> so it's real interesting. I think it's fun, but it's also sounds kind of mean and scary, but it's good. <laughs> Mm, I don't remember what I said. Did I say, like, about therapy, and I said they or us? Yeah, so I just mean, like, uh, so if, if I'm saying everybody's trained in, like, anxiety, depression, um, general panic, then that should be, like, any psychologist that you would find for sure. Really, it should be anybody with a master's degree in counseling. So, like, you'll find, like, social workers um, that are licensed or, People have, um, they're called LMHCs, or Licensed Mental Health Counselor, or like Family and Marriage Therapist. They should all know what to do with that. Um, OCD, I wouldn't trust people with. But, so then you want more specific recommendations. And then I could give you those if you have that. But. Yeah, in general, yeah. So it really looks really different, like depending on who I'm working with. So I have some clients who are like open about their faith, and then I'll tell them, like, that's my faith, too. And, like, then we talk about God, and we talk about praying and, like, about not being alone in terms of, like, God being with us. Um, or I feel like there might have been a few times, like, when I prayed with somebody before. It's not a common thing. Um, but, but if they're open about their faith, then I'll tell them mine. And then I think that helps a lot, especially, like, with my clients with OCD and, like, the, with the one that I have, right now she's a young adult and she has like so many religious intrusive thoughts and i was thinking to myself like if i were coming to therapy worrying that like god was not happy with me or that i wasn't like doing something right and then my therapist was like that's not god you don't know and i didn't think that they were a christian i would be like i'm not going to talk to you like i don't trust anything that you say and so i like make sure to talk a lot with her about like also like talk to your priest or like she's got like a, a mentor and I was like, and, like, I believe this about God. What do you believe about God? And, like, we can talk openly. So, like, there are times when it's, like, awesome like that. Um, and then there are times when, because I don't market myself as a Christian psychologist, like, because that's not my training. Like, my training was just general. Um, but I get people who are mad at God, which I really enjoy, um, because then, like, we can be honest about it, and they don't know what my faith is. And so they feel like they could tell me how mad they are um, and then we can just like I can bring up things to them though about like they can say this about like the Bible said this and I feel this way about the church and then I can say like do you think that's really God or, like do you think that's that person and like I feel like I can weave that into the conversation a little bit more um, and then I have some really young kids who never bring up anything and then I don't I don't bring up anything with them um, but I think it it looks really different but in our office, we got out of the habit lately because we're coming in at different times, but we would always like pray together in the morning for everybody who's coming in um, and that we would just be like saying the right things and knowing when to listen and um, praying for ourselves and for them. And so I pray for my clients and pray to be like the counselor that he is, you know, because I'm like, I don't know how to do this. Like, you know how to do it. Um, but I think that's, that's how it is. Most of the time, it's not super obvious to them, but sometimes we talk about it could definitely be about yourself yeah it, it's so interesting because it's like anything that you could think of and it can confuse people a lot um, and so like even with people that like we're working on OCD like we know that like this is why you're here like they might have this new thing that's upsetting them 
and they'll bring it up that like, I don't know why this is feeling upsetting. Like this feels different. I don't think this is OCD. And then we'll talk about it and we're like, yeah, this is the same thing. Um, but it's always like this repetitive fear of something. Um, but it, sometimes it's just like, I am evil or like I'm displeasing God. Um, there, it could be like, I'm just, I'm dangerous. I am, I'm like incapable of doing anything well. Um, sometimes it's like sensory related where like you can't get over like a certain feeling that you have in your body. Um, and that's a weird one. Sometimes it's like, I'm going to get sick. Um, I have cancer. Uh, like lots of, it's just totally random. Like anything that would really scare you, it's like, I'll pick that one. Um, and then just like latches on to it. So, yeah, be really different. Any other thoughts or questions? Thank you for coming, guys. Appreciate it. Let me know if you have any questions.